Merry Christmas. I hope that your Christmas was wonderful. Ours was. Of course, it was a little bit different, as I'm sure yours was, too. But we still told the story and celebrated the birth of Jesus. If you were able to watch our Christmas Eve service here, you know that we still had beautiful music, and so we told that wonderful story from Luke's Gospel on this Christmas Eve, as on every Christmas Eve. I always love those those images of the nativity, the babe in the manger, the shepherds, the heavenly host. With today's gospel story, Luke concludes the infancy narrative so that he will now move on in other parts of Jesus' story. Today, we hear that Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple because they were faithful Jews. While they were at the temple, the prophet Anna was there and she was drawn to them And when she saw Jesus, she began to praise God and speak about the child to all who had been waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. You'll notice that Anna doesn't actually have any lines. She doesn't have any quotes in the text. The great biblical scholar Raymond Brown explains, Luke intends that Anna's widowhood, devoted to worship, prayer, and fasting, should have its own eloquence vocalizing the ideals of the the Anuim, that is, the little ones, the downtrodden, the poor and forgotten. It was this life, he says, that opened her to the spirit of prophecy so that she could recognize Jesus and speak of him. Thinking about the prophet Anna worshiping and praying and fasting in the temple for decades, I was trying to imagine what her ministry of, of faithfulness, of waiting, of hope might have looked like as she was waiting for that Messiah that had been promised. And I was also wondering what we might learn from Anna and this story. You know, 2021 is just a few days away. It's so close that you can almost, you can almost touch it. We're almost done with 2020, which has been such a complicated year. In 2021, as we look ahead, we anticipate that we're going to be able to gradually and safely have some answers about this terrible pandemic and and emerge from some of the shut-in and conditions that we have been been struggling under. But we will still have the economic hangover, the economic problems from the pandemic. We'll still have racial justice issues and we'll still have climate catastrophes to look at. So I would suggest a couple of things that Anna models for us in this story. Now, in my imagining, I was, I was trying to imagine Anna's ministry, and I've never been to the Holy Land, and it's hard for me to picture what that is like now or might have been like then. So I translated it to something that I know better, and that's old churches and old cathedrals. I'm a guy that loves old churches and old cathedrals. I have a great respect for our U.S., our American cathedrals that are here, and especially like the one at Notre Dame, my favorite. But there's nothing like the European cathedrals, besides the hundreds and hundreds of years of history, and besides the fact that they're beautiful. When you stand in one of those cathedrals and you think about the the weddings and the baptisms and the funerals and the prayers, if you stand still, well, it's indescribable. You can just feel 
the presence of the Spirit. For our 25th wedding anniversary, Susan and I went to Germany and some other parts of Europe to look at old cathedrals. We got to Mainz first, and we just dropped our stuff at the hotel, and we ran down to the cathedral, and Susan said, uh, you should have seen my face. I was like a, a kid in a candy store. A couple of days later, we went down to Cologne, Germany, and saw the massive, beautiful, amazing cathedral there. And in fact, yes, I bought that tie at the gift shop. The reason I mentioned Cologne in specific, not just because it's beautiful and massive, but because of the history. They laid the cornerstone in 1248, and then they consecrated it in 1322. That's 74 years to build the first part of that cathedral. Construction spanned three generations. Grandchildren finished what grandparents had started. Remember, too, they did that without any computers or cell phones or any of that. Can you imagine trying to communicate down through the generations what we were trying to build in that particular case? The people of Cologne certainly demonstrated their, their faithfulness and their hope in starting that project. And their artisanship and their stewardship speaks loudly of their praise and worship of God. So I think when I think about Anna and all the people down through history, I th waiting and hoping, I think the first thing we learn from this story is patience. Anna had it, other people have had it, and we can practice it. The second thing I think we learn from this story is that worship is hard and it's not always pretty. And by worship, I don't, I don't mean this, I don't mean our Sunday service. I mean worship as in following and obeying God, especially when it's not something we'd rather do, something that's hard. In Anna's story, she worships day and night, and she fasts, and she abstains because it's a spiritual discipline and also to serve others for the well-being of others. You will recall that in Mark's gospel, Jesus cites the Torah and the first commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Earlier this month, ABC News aired a, an interview with Dr. Taylor Nichols, an emergency room doctor at uh, Mercy San Juan Medical Center out in California. Maybe you caught that story. It was based on Dr. Nichols' social media post. He talks about an older male patient that the ambulance brought in who was in terrible physical distress, and the, the EMTs and paramedics had already been working on him. And they get him there in the emergency department and they start to put him into a hospital gown and they take off his shirt and he is completely tattooed with neo-Nazi and other hate symbols. The team that was working on him, a Jewish doctor, a black nurse, and an Asian respiratory therapist. Dr. Nichols and the patient talked about the severity of, of the patient's condition and the patient agreed to intubation. 
So the medical team stepped away to put on some extra personal protective equipment, some PPE. And while they had stepped away, Nichols wrote that he had been faced with that kind of racial hatred before, and he'd always said, quote, he'd been able to smoothly and quickly move through those emotions. They came here needing a doctor, and Taylor, you're a doctor, is a mantra I have repeated to myself when I feel my empathetic core wanes, end quote. Because of the severity and the longevity of this pandemic, Nichols began to worry about whether or not he was safe, whether or not his team was safe. And then it crossed his mind that if the roles were reversed, would this patient risk his life to save one of theirs? Nichols continued, quote, for the first time, I recognized that I hesitated, ambivalent. The pandemic had worn on me and my mantra isn't having the same impact in the moment. And I realized that maybe I'm not okay. The team did their jobs and performed the life-saving procedure. One person's response on social media was eloquent. This thread proves that you are okay. Your human response is normal. It is your training, professionalism, and heart that pull you through those moments. Your work is protest against hate. Sometimes worship is hard. It means overcoming our instinctive reactions. It means praying and thinking things through. Sometimes fasting is hard, not just physical fasting, but setting aside our rights, our opportunities, our choices, our privileges for the good of others. So from Anna's story, we can be faithful and patient because pretty much everybody down through history has had to do that. And with God's grace, we can do that hard and messy work of really worshiping God and loving God and neighbor. There's one more lesson here, I think. When Anna sees Jesus and recognizes him for who he is, you know, she lets out all that pent-up expectation, and she goes around telling everybody about what she has seen in this good news. My wife Susan is a wonderful musician, and she always reminds people that when uh, Miriam was packing up, when the, the Jews were getting ready in the Exodus story to flee Egypt, and they're in a terrible hurry, in all that commotion, in all that hurry, Miriam picks up her tambourine and takes it with her. You remember that in the Exodus story, God parts the Red Sea and the, the Jews get to the other side of the, of the shore. And then God closes the Red Sea so that the chariots and charioteers can't follow them. And the Jews are on the other side safely. And then the prophet Miriam, Aaron's sister, took out a tambourine in her hand and all the women went out after her with tambourines and with dancing. And Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Miriam packed her tambourine because she expected that God would come through for them. She expected that they would have good reason to celebrate. Yes, I remember that then they still had to go through the desert. But right then, God had just rescued them from the oppressors. And they needed, they wanted to say thank you in a big way.
Anna had been waiting her whole life. Israel had been waiting for generations. When Jesus was born, that was the beginning of the revealing of the kingdom and the inbreaking of the kingdom. So everything wasn't perfect, isn't perfect immediately. But we know that all those images were coming to fulfillment, and Anna saw that. Prince of peace, light of the world. We want to be like Anna in the temple, causing a commotion. We want to be like Miriam, standing there on the shore with her tambourine singing. In the coming year, we as people, we as a nation, we as a church, you will see wonders and signs. Good things will happen. And we want to celebrate those fully because that will encourage us and other people then to continue to do the hard work of worship and prayer and fasting and getting through the hard times, which there are always hard times to come. Why do I believe that there will be wonderful things to celebrate in the coming year? Because just two days ago, we celebrated God's fulfillment of God's greatest gift and greatest promise. Jesus the Christ, our Savior and brother.